Hey there, I'm Emlyn Miles Mattingly, your host for the Minority Money Podcast. I'm glad you're here. You know why? Because this is the place you can come to get your weekly finance, family, and fitness motivation, not only to experience success in those areas for yourself, but also to help others in our community achieve greatness too. Super happy that you're on the show with me. So let's jump right in. Welcome back to the Minority Money Podcast. I am your host, Emlyn Miles Mattingly, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. Today, we have an exciting episode in store for you. I'm joined by three other guests. They are co-founders to a program that we're starting. I'm not going to say the name just yet, but I want to introduce the co-founders of this program, this internship that we're going to start next year. Yes, that's right. We're going to start this internship in 2021, and it is going to be incredible. With that being said, here are the three other co-founders we have. We have uh, Sean Tidlaska, Luis Rosa, and Chloe Moore. So first, we'll start out with Sean. Sean, if you could say hi to the Minority Money community and introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. I'm Sean Tidlaska. I'm the founder of Ballast Point Financial Planning. We started about four and a half years ago. We serve families here in the Bay Area and then also across the country. Our team is about five total team members right now, and we serve young professionals, first-generation Americans, and women in tech. Nice. Thank you, Sean. And Sean, is, he's really just a badass. Been watching him for a while as an advisor, someone that I look up to, and I've tried to do things like in my own firm. Next, we got my boy, my guy, Luis Rosa. Go ahead and talk to the people about yourself, Luis. Minority Money, pleasure to be back here. This is my third time. I'm always honored and pleasure. Yeah, I have my own fee-only RIA based out of Las Vegas, making my way over to Pasadena, California. And yeah, I'm just excited to be here. Growing up, I didn't know what a financial planner was and until I actually started working for one. So I'm excited about this internship, which you're going to get to learn in this episode. Awesome. And last but not least, we save Miss Chloe Moore. Yeah, Chloe. So go ahead and talk to the people. You recognize that name because she's been on the show before. But Chloe, please reintroduce yourself to the minority money community. Of course. Hi, everyone. And thanks for having me again. And my name is Chloe Moore. I'm the founder of Financial Staples, which is a fee-only financial planning firm based out of Atlanta, Georgia. And I serve clients nationwide. And I work primarily with tech employees. So as you can see, we have some pretty good coverage across the country. We left out some of the middle parts, but we're going to pick those up throughout the program. So today we want to introduce to you the X Internship Program. That is right. It's called the X Internship Program. And the reason why we started this is we modeled it after another internship that we had seen, right, Sean? Yes. And so we modeled it after this internship that they had in the UK, and it was 100 Black interns. And it was uber successful there. They had over a thousand applicants very, very quickly. I believe it was like in the first week, they had over a thousand applicants trying to get into these hundred spots. It really inspired us to look into how we could create something like that here in the States. And with that, the four of us got together, Sean reached out to me, and then we reached out to Chloe and Luis and said, you know what, this is something that we need to do. And we're wrestling with the name a little bit. And I want to talk about all of that part too. Just, I mean, we're going to get into the nitty gritty, but I think it's important for people to know why we named it Blatinex. And Luis, I'm just going to pick on you because you were the first one I looked at. But talk to us about that name. What does that name Blatinex mean to you? Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, we know there are some people that feel like there's a negative connotation to the word Latinx because typically a lot of people like myself, I'm from Dominican Republic might identify myself as Latino, 
but what happens is some people feel like it's in the male version of it, Latino, so it leaves out females and other people that might not identify as males, right? So Latinx came about to be a little bit more politically correct and be more inclusive. You know, some people have a problem with it. I personally do not. I have embraced it. You know, I like the X, baby, like Malcolm X, you know, so I'm like Latinx, let's go with it. So I'm excited about that. And then black. So we're making it like a black and brown thing and just combine the two words. So Latinx, it's a beautiful nice. thing. Love it. Love it. We also will have an abbreviated version of this, which will be called BLX. If you notice the similarity to the other movement, which is BLM, very similar, but different in the fact that we are bringing in another race into it or another ethnicity into the BLX movement. So with that, Chloe, I wanted to just jump in and talk to you about why, you know, just kind of why do you think or why did we think we needed to come up with this internship? Yeah, just generally speaking, you know, we all know as, a, as an industry in financial services and in so many other industries in the U.S. that there's really a lack of black and brown people you know, that are represented in those different industries. So as an example, in the financial planning field with certified financial planners, black and Latinx advisors make up only 3.5% of the population. And so we really feel like we want to do our part to help increase those numbers and provide opportunities for students who might not have that exposure to real financial planning and to the financial planning industry. Now, Chloe, you did actually go through an internship program, right? Yes. So I graduated from University of Alabama and I majored in financial planning. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. We can't say university. Roll Tide. Let's go. Come on now. Roll Tide. But yeah, so this is all I've ever done for my whole career. So my experience is a little bit unique compared to most people that are in the industry because some people come in as career changers or you know, they just kind of discover financial planning later on. But yeah, when I was in college, I did an internship and it was unpaid. And so as a person who was paying my way through college, I spent the summer doing my internship a couple of days a week and waiting tables the rest of the days. And so, you know, that's a real big disadvantage that people have if they don't have money or they don't have resources to do free internships or to have, you know, for that to be the only opportunity that they have. Absolutely. And, and I think that's a great time for us to kind of get into some of the stuff that that is going to be different about our internship, right? Not being paid is not an option in an internship when we're trying to reach people of color. We just didn't think that that was going to be an option. And I wanted to have Sean talk a little bit about, you know, why this was important to him and just talk us through the whole idea, like as it started in your mind and and how you were able to develop it and then bring us in and why it was important. Yeah. So in, in the wake of George Floyd's death that happened in May, and the spirit of the Black Lives Matter movement, something's been kind of brewing inside of me that I wanted to help and contribute in some way. As a white dude, I'm worried about saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing. And I'm kind of just paralyzed to a certain extent. A few months after that happened with George Floyd, I was listening to Emlyn's podcast. He was being interviewed by Michael Kitsis on the Financial Advisor Success Podcast. I was out on a run. And I remember them talking about what Chloe was saying, that the demographics of our profession is only 3% Black and Latinx, but the demographics of our country is like 30%. But the point that Kitsis made was the distribution of wealth in the country actually kind of mirrors that, that 3% number like to, like to a percentage point. Then they started talking about, you know, to move the profession forward, we need to have a better representation of what the country looks like to be able to provide financial services to those communities. And just when I heard that stat about the distribution of wealth, I could feel it in my chest that like, this wasn't right. We have to do something about it. 
And so I was thinking, what could I do personally to help? And so I thought my original idea was to reach out to Emlyn and say, hey, if you know of any up and coming financial planners that are looking to get started, you know, any minority planners, like let me know and I'll provide the internship for them. But as I thought about it more, you know, I think this is just like a moment of social awakening for the country. And that I think that there's a built up appetite to get involved. And so I was like, well, what if we partnered with some professional organizations and got them to have their firms commit to hosting an intern next summer? So that got our conversation started. We started reaching out to individual firms. And once we got to 20 firms that, that said they want to host an intern, we decided that we were ready to take the next step, move forward and launch. Awesome. And it was like, there were some things that you had said in our other conversations that just really were just eye-opening to you. And it was, you know, the statistics. And there were some aha moments that you had. And I don't know if you feel comfortable sharing those moments, but I think if you do, we'd love to hear them. And I think it's important for other people to hear your thoughts on, you know, the current state of what was going on in our industry. And, you know, not only the current state, but from where it began into where we're at now. Yeah. Thank you for asking. So for me, it's been kind of a little bit of a personal journey, just as I've kind of been working on this program, you know, just even the word like white privilege, you know, kind of has like a, you know, it's, it's a charged word, you know, and I think kind of one of the first things that someone like me, who's like a white financial planner that we need to kind of come to terms with is like, what does that mean to you? And, you know, when I was talking about this program with my dad, I was telling him about how I want to help, you know, people get started in the industry that might not have had as many advantages as I had. And he's like, you know what, Sean, you work really hard. You should be proud of what you've accomplished, which is true. I am proud, but like there are some systemic issues that, you know, I was coming to terms with or confronting. For example, when I learned more about Emlyn and his story, you know, he said he was raised by a single mom. And then, you know, when he was just 20 years old, she overdosed on drugs. And then he goes on to say things like, you know, my story is not that unique. You know, it just, it just rips your heart out. And then like when I was learning about Luis, he moved to the U.S. from the Dominican Republic, lived in New York City in an apartment, a one-bedroom apartment with 10 relatives. And, you know, I kind of have a chip on my shoulder a little bit about it's hard to get into this industry. I had a hard time getting in. But then when I learned about their stories, it is nothing. It is nothing compared to that. So yeah, a few stats or things that kind of jumped out at me. There's a study from Duke called Umbrellas Don't Make It Rain. And one of the key findings was you know, there's this narrative, you go to school, you work hard, you get a good job, and you think things will work out. But that doesn't work for everybody. And so what they did was they compared Black families with the head of household that was a college graduate. They compared that to a white household where the person dropped out of high school. So it was a high school dropout, a white family where the head of household versus a Black graduate from college. And the white dropout had 50% more wealth, which is just crazy. And then, you know, the kind of concept of umbrellas don't make it rain. Just if you have a college education, that doesn't necessarily mean that the system is going to work for you. And kind of going back further, you know, something that I learned was like Wall Street was actually built by black slaves. Slaves were treated as a commodity. Insurance companies like AIG and New York Life, they wrote insurance policies on slave lives that were coming over from Africa on boats to kind of protect their investment. So... If you put that into financial terms, these lives were stolen assets and people profited from it. And you could say like that was a long time ago, you know, that's not applicable anymore. But fast forward to today and the pandemic that we're facing with COVID, 
black people are 37% more likely to die than white people. You know, we'll link to all these like articles in the show notes, but it's like, it literally is a life and death situation that, that we're dealing with. I think like when I think about like, when I hear you say it, it hits a little different. This is stuff that, you know, that we knew that I've seen just in daily, just daily conversation. We'll have conversations about stuff like this with some of my friends. But the crazy part is like, when I hear you say it and it's like, wow, that's crazy, you know? And I want to go over to Luis for a little while, just to kind of talk about this from, you know, kind of putting you on the spot, but just talk about it from the Latino perspective and how COVID has been affected and impacted. And I'm not expecting you to give me numbers and stuff like that because we didn't talk about statistics before we got on here. But I think it's deeply impacting the Latino community as well. And I'd like Luis to speak to that, please. Yeah, without a doubt, man. You know, and this goes back to some of the stuff that Sean said is because of the systemic issues. You know, I was reading an article actually this morning that was talking about how hard it's going to be to get the Latino population to be trusting of the vaccine because mm-hmm. they have been hit just disproportionately hard, right? So it's going to be a challenge to then get them to be like, oh yeah, this is going to work as well, because there's also a distrust that comes from the government just because it has failed us in the past. You know, and I think that that's the biggest thing is the systemic issues are embedded, you know? So like Sean was saying, it's like, just because you work hard, you go to school, you get a degree, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to succeed, you know? And one of the things that we deal with a lot, like I see it in my community, is that a lot of us are doing the one thing for the first time. Like we have a lot of first, a lot of my friends are the first to graduate college. And, you know, and these basic things, you know, the first to even get a job that offers a 401k, the first to buy a house, the first to get like real health insurance, you know, and that happens to me and my siblings, you know, my parents never even had a car, you know, at best they had a savings account and that's about it, you know, so there's a lot of misinformation out there too, you know, that affects communities differently. And I think that's also a general problem. It just depending on where you tune in, you're going to hear a different story as well. So yeah, there's just like so much misinformation and embedded systemic things that are affecting us that is going to create that distrust in the system. So we have quite the challenge ahead of us. But, you know, like you said, Emily, when you hear Sean talk about it and how it hits him, like it really carries a different weight for me. Like I see, you know, and then I wonder, like, I hope, you know, and I like to believe there's a lot more people like him that feel that way, you know, and if they are out there, then we definitely need the help because we can't do it on our own because umbrellas don't make it rain. 100%. And so I wanted to continue in this and talk about it, but why is it so, and Chloe, I'm going to give this question to you. Why is it so important for us to be able to partner with a large organization like NAPFA, when they come out and say, you know what, they heard what we had to talk about, they heard what we said, and they were the first ones to extend their hands and say, you know what, we believe in what you guys are trying to do. We're going to offer you the support you need. We're going to offer you the resources that you need, and we're going to partner with you to make this really happen. Chloe, what does that mean to you and to the next interns that we're going to be talking to? Yeah, it means the world has the support of a national organization like NAPFA to help us with this program. I think it really, at the end of the day, it just gives students opportunity to get exposure. In our industry, a lot of times, you know, when you're starting out, you might start in a sales role or you might start, you know, selling insurance or or doing something that kind of turns you away from the industry. And if you're not coming from a wealthy family, if you don't have the resources, you know, and the financial resources and the means to really make it on your own, sometimes people don't 
succeed in the industry. So to be able to work or to have opportunities to get firms that are involved that are all different sizes, you know, large firms and independent firms, business owners, then I think that gives our students that we're going to work with the opportunity to get exposed to real financial planning and get exposed to a different side of the industry. Absolutely. Do you feel like what can the interns expect from this program? And not, you know, we're given a broad overview. We're not going to give specifics, but like if there's an intern that's going to listen to this or someone that's saying, hey, you know what, we have some interns or I'm thinking about an intern or we, you know, a firm that may want to have an intern next year. What can they expect? Just a couple things on what someone can expect as an intern and what someone can expect as a firm involved in the program. And anyone can answer that question. Yeah, it's like Chloe was saying before, it was access to what real financial planning is. And I've seen this before, like I have nephews that have graduated college and they have gone to intern for these major firms. And when I asked about their experience, they were literally given hundreds of names and just said, here, call these people and try and sell them insurance. Contact your friends, contact your family and try and sell them insurance. And that's all they learned. The entire internship is just cold calling people there was no access at all to what actual financial planning looks like. So we're trying to avoid people being stuck in one place where a lot of people feel like the only way to get in the industry is through a sales job, you know? And obviously there's a place for that, but we want to expose people to a larger, broader idea of what financial planning truly is to help people then come into the industry and to address that gap that Sean mentioned, because the population of the future, the client of the future is changing. So we need planners that could relate to those people as well in order to better serve them. Anybody else that want to jump in on that question? What interns can expect is that they'll be working for a fee-only firm. We've mentioned that term a few times. Fee-only means that we can't take commissions. We think that this fee structure aligns interests the best way. It reduces as many conflicts of interest as possible. My hope is that the firms, and we're trying to screen for this when we're accepting applications for firms to participate, is what are they going to have the interns do? My hope is that the interns will get a chance to experience real-life client meetings to sit in and observe and take notes. And hopefully that they'll learn, you know, at least your comment of hopefully that there's more people like me. I know that there's lots more people like me that want to get involved and help participate and change the complexion of our profession. And my hope is that the interns will experience that this is a welcoming profession. It's not an eat what you kill kind of a environment where you have to sell to your friends and family that you can really make meaningful changes in people's lives. Just kind of inspire you that this career could be an option for you if you want to pursue it. Absolutely. And lastly, to people that are out there like thinking, you know, maybe we want to get involved with this. Maybe we want to know more. Sounds like a good idea. We're interested. Where would people be able to find more information about the BLX internship or the Black Next internship, if you will? Where can people find more information about that? We have a website that's up right now. It's blxinternship.org. You can go there. We have a bunch of frequently asked questions. There's an application where you can apply to participate as a firm or an intern. Or if you just want to sign up for our newsletter to kind of stay in touch as the program rolls out, we'll even put up there a form for if you just want to participate and help in any way that you can. We'll have a form for you to fill out there and we'd love to help. Absolutely. And I wanted to give us all a chance to kind of, you know, give some encouraging words as we're rolling this thing out. Why would you, as a firm, want to participate in this? You know, and I'll start with you, Luis. Why are you participating? Because I think you're going to participate in the program as well, right? 
not only as a founder, but as taking on an intern as well. And, and so I'll start with you. Why should someone do this? Yeah, I mean, it's a great point. Listen, I just took on an intern not too long ago. And let me tell you, man, I thought I was hip and I was up on technology. And then this junior in college comes by my firm and just shows me how much I don't know, you know. And it was amazing, like the amount of help I was able to get. So what do I get as a firm? I'm going to get access to talent that perhaps otherwise I would just would have never had the chance to get, you know. So this is not a charity that you're doing. You're doing yourself a favor that will, yes, you are affecting somebody's life. But at the end of the day, I know you're running a business. This will impact your bottom line. You are going to get access to talent, younger people, new ideas, et cetera, that could help you run your firm better. You know, whether or not you end up hiring or not, if you're not in a position to do so, you're still going to get a lot just from that talent pool. Because mm-hmm. I can attest to that myself. Absolutely. Chloe, why should people do this, Chloe? Yeah, I mean, I personally think that it's just going to be a good way to, you know, like Louise said, just have access to great talent. A lot of people feel like there's a pipeline issue, and I don't think that exists. I think, you know, people just aren't looking in the right places for diverse talent. So for us to be able to have the opportunity to match, you know, black and brown students who are talented, who you know have a lot to offer to these firms, I think that'll be a great opportunity for both sides. 100% agree. Sean? Yeah, for me, I almost view it as like, partly it's like our duty as a profession to groom and cultivate the next generation of talent and to give back. And this is a wonderful profession where people make lots of money. That's why we're making it a paid internship where you have to pay at least $15 an hour to the intern. At some point, someone has taken a chance on all of us. You know, it's our chance to take a chance on someone else to give them an opportunity. And like Luis was saying, and Chloe mentioned as well, the pipeline and just having diversity of thought, you know, people with different backgrounds will help you see things through a different lens that'll really help you in your practice. I couldn't agree with all of that more. And the last thing that I'll say is the BLX internship or Blatinx is the way forward. This is the way forward. This is the way the industry is going to change some of those numbers that we have. This is how we ensure the integrity of our industry. This is how we ensure the diversity in our industry, the inclusion and all the other things that we are striving for. So as a firm, get involved because things are changing and this is a way for you to ensure that you stay relevant. Because if you don't, you will not be relevant in 20 years. I don't even know if it'll take 20. It might take 10. And if we do a really good job, five, right? So we wanted to get this out to you. We are all the co-founders of the Blatinex internship. We hope to get 100 interns. I think we're going to make that number very, very easily and have to maybe change it to more than 100. I hope that's a good problem that we have. But we wanted to bring this to you and all of the information that we're talking about, some of the statistics and things like that, we will have all of that available for you in the show notes. This is Emlyn Miles Mattingly and the Minority Money Podcast with my co-founders, Sean, Luis, and Chloe. We are changing the complexion of the industry. Until next time, another great showdown, but it doesn't have to stop there. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast app you're listening on now and give it a good rating, would you? If you feel really connected to the podcast, which I hope you do, find our Facebook community, Minority Money VIP, to support and be supported by others just like you. And again, we're glad to have you. While this podcast is meant to inspire and motivate you to live your best life, it can't be your complete one-stop shop. I know, I know. 
That really sucks. But I don't know anything about your specific situation. So please reach out to an attorney or CPA, or you can reach out to me, a financial planner, to help you with your specific situation. To get a hold of us, please reach us at fan at Minority Money Podcast. That's F-A-N at Minority Money Podcast, so we can get to know you there. Thanks for being here, and until next time, 